Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! Let me talk! Let me talk! Hello and welcome to Let Me Talk Details. This is a respite from the weekly whirlwind of top flight football. It's a space to break down the big picture topics and get into the details away from the game-by-game analysis. I'm David Mooney. As ever, the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee is with me. Hello, Sam. Hello. And we're joined by the former City defender Nader Manua. Hello, David. Hello. Um, Sam, this is a bit of a different episode for details this week. We're going to focus on one player in particular, aren't we? Yeah, we think this is something we'll try and roll out during the summer, but we thought... The place to start would be with Jack Grealish. You know, everyone likes to talk about Grealish. Everyone likes to watch Grealish, and we thought it'd be a, a good place to start. Yeah, it's been a big, uh, been a big couple of seasons for him. So uh, let's get into that. This show is also a platform for you to get involved in other episodes as well. We'd love to hear from you. So email hello at lmtpod.com if you've got questions, thoughts, or ponderings about City or football in general. So for this first player focus, Sam, let's talk about Jack Grealish um, because it, it feels very much like uh, the end of his second season is like the culmination of where he needed to be, if that makes sense. From, yeah. where, from where he was to where he's got to is kind of like the journey that you would have expected. Uh, well, maybe not with like a treble, but in terms of... Yeah. Yeah, like last season, how often did we talk about... I was like, look, let's wait like 18 months into his time at City and then if he's still like really struggling, then we'll have that conversation. And I suppose after the World Cup, it wasn't like a massive leap forward, but he'd been playing fine. And then, yeah, the last few months of the season is where you'd hoped, yeah, I suppose expected because with that kind of price tag, you know, if it cost 70 million, people wouldn't be demanding that it'd be better or more flashy or, you know, doing the Villa things. But with you the price tag and everything, to a lot, coming to City, you spend 100 million on a player, they should fit in immediately. It's like, that's not how it works. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see yeah. with that as well. Hmm. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's not how it works. And I mean, he's he talked about that a lot. At the time, as he was kind of going through some of those struggles, relative struggles, I reckon, um, and he's talked about it a lot since since he's kind of come through the other side as well. But I mean, as much as is this the point where he should have been or was expected to have been, it's the point that I always hoped that he would be at. Like yeah. I just I just wanted it for him, and I think that's probably something we'll probably talk about as we go through. But he's such a nice, likable guy, and I've never I've never like spoken to him. Well, I asked him a question that is unveiling, but that was on Zoom because it was still like kind of back end of pandemic days. He's just like such a nice guy. I'm pleased for him, and I can only imagine all those around him 
how they feel as well. And I think we've kind of seen that with how some of his City players talk and feel and act around him and Haaland's really close to him and stuff like that as well. And I just think it's a kind of an ending that I think deserves as well because we'll talk about the kind of work that he's put into it and, and how much he's been at times beating himself up about it. Yeah, well, let's. I mean, you spoke about the unveiling. Let's hear first off from him at the unveiling. Um, this was uh, th- this was him talking about kind of the reasons why he joined. We've got the best manager in the world here. Um, so um, you know, it all played a, a big part in me coming here. Um, you know, and coming to play with you know players. I think everyone knows how much um, I love De Bruyne. Uh, so you know, playing with. Playing with players like that, it's just going to be a dream come true. He's just a kid, isn't he, Nadam? Just arriving, at, like starry-eyed at this place that he, that he's always dreamed of being at. Do you know what? I, I would say yes, but I'd add more to it, and I think he's just a fan of football. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's whether you're a child or whether you're an adult. If you're a fan of football, then you know about Kevin De Bruyne. You know about how good he is. You know about the managing Pep Guardiola. Obviously, some of this stuff then gets tainted by. You know, if you support a team that, you know, is the opposite of City, if you have your own sort mm-hmm. of ideas and so on. But just from a footballing standpoint, you know who's good, you know what's good, and you know you know which You know what you like watching, yeah, yeah. You know, like football, like this is top level football and you're now going to be a part of that. You're wanted by that sort of level. Incredible. You know, you could argue whether it's City or not, I'd argue it's a dream come true for any player to be bought by a team that's just won the Premier League title and strive to win everything. You know what I mean? Like, that's huge. And to be coming to City for him and seeing that, he's open, he's honest. I think that was the start of that. Like, as Sam was saying before, like, the stuff which he says, he's not, like, writing it on his Twitter or something like that. He's saying it in front of a camera based on a question someone would ask, which would tend to get a different response nine times out of ten from other people. But he's open. Like, he has a connection with you, Sam, myself, someone that's 15, someone that's 55 that just loves the game of football. The way he talks about it is how like, we'd probably think and feel if we were in his in his exact situation, which is something that feels quite rare. But I, I get it. Like, what a, what a move for him at the time. You know, for him to be leaving his boyhood club to go to the next level, it's objectively the next level. And that level jumps past a lot of football teams on the way to that point. And, that's, and you can see that he understands that. But it's funny as well, because I've spoken to... I mean, you don't get the react, the same reaction from all Villa fans, but I've spoken to a lot of Villa fans in the in the time since who have been like, well, actually, I'm really pleased for him. I'm pleased that he's gone there and he's now doing well. Yeah, I, I get that. That was a wild summer. Yeah. Was, speaking... <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. That was mad. But speaking about that unveiling again, you know, when I asked him that question, and I've said on this podcast before... I've been doing this for like seven or eight years now. I still feel like my, you know, when I asked, I kind of got at least a way of asking Pepper a question where I'd try and be like, look, I'm not having a go. Can you just use your genius brain to tell us, please? But, you know, I feel like it's way better in mix zones like, to like connect with a player and try and get like a good answer out of them. But like, I'm not there. So like when I did the Grealish unveiling, I asked Nadam, I was like, what do you reckon I should ask? Like from a, like from a player's point of view. And I think you said, like asking what his strengths are because it's basically like a positive. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I can see that. Especially like being concerned that my questions come across as like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? So I asked him and he was like, he was like, oh, you're trying to stitch me up there. Like, get, <laughs> get me to big myself up. And I was like, I just can never win. Like, yeah. can never ever. I was like, I actually. Maybe like, that was just Nadam trying to stitch you up. Though. Yeah, maybe it was. No, but it's one, of the, it's one of those. Well. Like, if, so, if somebody's like, if somebody like tweeted me going, oh, why are you asking him a question? Like trying to trick him up. I was like, I was like, I genuinely put more, more thought into that question <laughs> than anyone's ever put into like these things ever. I got like professional advice. Um, 
But yeah, like the only thing with the the only thing I would say about that unveiling, and I don't think it's true. It's almost like I had a thought on this, and then somebody else has talked about it since, so therefore it's true, which we may have seen a bit of recently. I did think at that time I was like, not overawed, but is he a bit more like excitable or feels like he maybe doesn't belong there than other players? But I, I don't think that's true. I think it's just he's just got the filter and he's probably feeling the same way as a load of players do. Yeah. But he just puts it across in a different way. But then the other side of that is, and we'll talk about this, like Guardiola has said, and I think Grealish has said as well, that if he didn't play well in the first season compared to the second just because he didn't really believe that he, he could be there so maybe what he says on the stage at the unveiling isn't connected to that but that was definitely a factor in his first season and I wonder how much of him going in thinking like oh god all these players I've seen on TV and love them now I'm there that there was obviously a period of adaptation to realise that hold on a minute I am as good as these guys I'm yeah. here for a reason yeah. and I fit in yeah that's a yeah, and I think I'd rather have pl more players like that than otherwise. Do you know, the ones that believe that, you know, immediately this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, as I said before, the jump from Villa to City is a huge leap. Not least of, not just on the field, it's off the field. It's the scrutiny you receive. It's the pressure that goes into every game. Like, if Villa win five games in a row, like, they'll be celebrated within the City. If City win five games in a row, it's like, well, this is business. You know what I mean? you got to get ready for the sixth. So you can't... I feel like they enjoy their football, but they enjoy it at the end when they've got something to show for it. Mm. Whereas I think other teams, you can enjoy sec segments of a season and say, oh, this was great. That was fantastic. Everything felt amazing. You remember those times. But for City, it's process, process, process that gives opportunity, which then provides you, you know, the end of the season to be able to review, look back and say, well, did we do well or did we not? For City, like for that last season with the treble, if they have two bad halves of football, between say May and June they might come away with one title you know what I mean mm. but everything else around it like 99.9% .9 of it would have been exactly the same Yeah. but still the review and the perception of it would be completely different mm. you know what I mean so that's a tough spot to be in as a yeah. player but um, Percep well, you, you... perception's interesting with Grealish as well especially during his first season yeah people are hounding him like, but it's because it's it was 100 million and you mentioned 70 before I think even at 70 he's getting pressed yeah but I think 100 million is like yeah, Major, was it a record at the time? Yeah, most expensive British player, and it's biggest just, Premier League transfer. And it's Villa aren't a small football club, but people prefer it when stars are playing for teams that aren't the more yeah. obvious ones. Well, yeah. Also, you talked about that scrutiny and being celebrated within, within a city if things are going well. But also, like you say, if Villa win like five games in a row, but like if Villa lose at a weekend, it's like unless it's like in the city, a, a massive game. Yeah, 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 but it's been like, but. But then nationally, like it's that not, game, it's not, not like a big thing on match of the day. No. People aren't saying what what's going on with Grealish's performance. But as soon as like you don't live up to expectations at City, yeah. But like it's not just City. That's you know Sancho going to Man United or whatever. Like, if you're at a club like Villa or Dortmund or wherever, you can have your highlights seen on Twitter and this guy's great. But there's not the same scrutiny. As soon as you go to a bigger club, you've got that scrutiny. And also like Grealish had not just that, but like booing straight away. And it was like, what's this? Because yeah. he he signed the summer when England were in the Euros. And everyone was like, oh, Grealish needs to come on, Grealish <laughs> yeah. needs to come on, Grealish needs to come on. Like, this is the guy Southgate needs to pick. We love Grealish, we want to see him play. And then he goes to City, and then he's getting booed everywhere. And it's like, that must have been like a big adaptation. Mm. A big, like, yeah, he has, a, he, has a, he has a style of play, which if you don't like him or his team, is very booable. He does have that style of play. Because, you know, he will take time on the ball. He will win free kicks. And they are free kicks. 
But yeah, it's the, it's the way football works. It's so fickle, isn't it? You know what I mean? The same guy has now travelled, what is it, 110 miles up the M6 and all of a sudden now he's the biggest nemesis to like English mm. football. Like, it doesn't add up. And that's something we said on previous podcasts, the club accept the bid and let someone go. It's not the player. If the player's on a free transfer, fair enough. But when clubs are accepting bids for players, why is it the player that's the villain when they're the one that's just been sold? You know what I mean? Like, you're not transferring yourself. You're being sold by a football club. Mm. Phil could have just said, nah, we're keeping him. And then, like, what changes? They could have. But also, like, a player could say, like, in, maybe it's different because... A player uh, could say no. A player, like, Greenish could say, I don't... I don't want to go, so I'm staying here. Yeah, but what's again, what's the overall value for that in their career? Because when, again, we mentioned there's a feeling of people who watch football and of people people who watch football with the emotion attached to the club that they're affiliated with. Mm-hmm. And from a, if you just watch football from an external standpoint, would you want to go from a team that's in mid-table to a team that's top of the league to earn more money, to be in a chance of win more trophies and to be surrounded by better players? Yeah, like, but you were saying as if like the player's got no say in it, the club's selling them. But like obviously he wanted to go as well. So, I know, but the, but the first part, the first part of it is the club accepting the bid because if yeah, the club accepts the bid, what you think? It's the other way around. It's the other way around. You think so? Yeah. like a player or an agent. Oh, fucking hell! Look, I'm telling a no, player. Go on, no, go on, tell <laughs> but, like, a player or an agent comes like, look, you know, this is you know we're getting interest from this club. We want to entertain it. Yeah. Also, there was this whole thing with like they put in a release clause after he didn't go to United the year before yeah. for about hundred million. Yeah. And it's like. Well, that was a very complicated one because like City, nobody was supposed to know about the release clause, but like City obviously did. Yeah. But that in every like yeah, communication yeah. with Villa, they had to be like, oh, how much would you want for this guy, by the way? And Villa were like, oh, these guys don't know. And then they're like, right, 100 million. They were like, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, but like, I, surely, like, Gen- okay, we'll it definitely works. We'll, like, we've got interest from this club. We want to, like, we, we okay. want you to entertain. What, what we'll do, what we'll do, we'll spin us a little bit because Grealish is an interesting situation because he's like an Englishman with a buyout clause in the Premiership, and I don't. That's don't, very rare. That's what I mean. But in general terms, as a player, you can say there's interest from this other club, but what difference does it make if the club decide not to accept the bid? Yeah, the club can be difficult. Do, will the club have the final say? Not the player to get the to get the, to get the ball rolling. They do have the final say, get, but then also, there's also steps then the players take. Yeah. Like, Listen, a, a player could have a contract lined up to go to a club for a billion pounds a second. Yeah. yeah. A billion pounds a second. But how does that player under contract go to the next club? Then yeah, no, I know like the the club have to sell. That's what I mean. But it's just funny like <laughs> But the, also but you you but the way you made the point sound or maybe it was just the way I interpreted it was the player's got no say, so why is the player getting the criticism? But also it's like yeah, they are being sold, but that the players like very happy to make that move. Well, not always, so not always. But again, that like yeah, like, we're, I, I we're appreciate deviating. not always, but in this case, we are deviating. Yeah, we're but, like, in this case, Greenish yeah. was very happy to go. Yeah. Like you know, I said it was like a mad saga, and they accepted the bid on like the Friday. Then he went back to training, and all the Villa fans were like, "Oh, he's staying, he's staying," and like that was when there was like ITKs on the internet saying he's rejected City. And there was like he was odds on to stay at Villa, and ever, but it was like he was being basically being forced to train. Because Villa was so pissed off at City for making this bid, they were like trying to like call Real Madrid and like, will you, will you buy this guy instead? We don't want to sell to City to the extent where he had to go and train because he didn't want to be like going on strike or whatever. But in the end, he was like, "This isn't really about your point and forcing." Yeah. But this is an example of like not forcing the issue in the end. But they were like, "Look, we will, like we will get legal if you want because they've paid them. Yeah. They've they've offered the amount of money that they need to offer. Like stop stop messing us around." But that was just so messy that whole transfer. To, to get back to the original original point. I would think that a player that's coming from a team that isn't on the same level as the one you're going to shouldn't 
be so confident to know that everything's going to work the same because the two places aren't comparable. To think that, you know, we've seen in recent weeks. Well, the same summer. And when you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned Grealish being a rarity English player with a buyout clause. Yeah. And I was going to say, the reason he went and Kane didn't is because he had a buyout clause yeah. and he had very like savvy agents. And then what you just said then is like, Kane shouldn't assume that this is going to be easy yeah, for me shouldn't. to go, even though the step from Spurs to City at that point was a bit smaller. Yeah, than it's, it's the same smaller, thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's, both moves they were desperate to make. Yeah, have you? Have you? You basically ask. I think you've got yourself as a player for as good as you are. Have you ever been in a situation where winning is the only thing that's accepted, and as a consequence, you will go up against twenty other players and potentially playing sixty games in a season, and the only joy comes at the end when it's all said and done, and you've been successful. Like the year when City don't win a trophy is the year where they'll be perceived to be in huge crisis, mm. even if they like have the same other like KPIs and stuff like that. Like it's different. Jack Grealish was the best player for Aston Villa. He's about to, he was going to City and he might not even be in the top ten when he starts. Yeah. You know, if you assume that if you go to a club and you assume you're gonna be the best player, you could be in for a big, big <laughs> shot. You know what I mean? Especially in that city side. Because when was the last time Ooh, that's yeah, that is a question. When was the last time City brought a player in? And trying, this is obviously going to be very subjective. Once the time City bought a player in that was coming in and was going to be instantly the best player? Well, I mean, there is there is a case with Haaland, I guess. No, but I said the best player. Like, he's ended up scoring all those goals. I know. But you would have, yeah. he's not, he's, I don't think he's the best no, player. No, I don't think he's the best player. But this, this goes back to the argument of City only signing the best players because they don't. They, they sign don't. players that fit the system and then yeah. become the best players. Yeah. Because De Bruyne, when they signed De Bruyne, he didn't come in as City's best player. They had David Silver and they had yeah, players. Yeah, yeah I like think that. the vibe generally is over the last five or six years. This, well, that's a good bit of business. This is a guy that really makes sense. Um, I think, obviously, the kind of why I said Haaland as well is because he's probably the only one where he's come in and you think this guy's gonna, this is gonna be fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like, this is gonna be something else. This is gonna be different. But that's probably because when they sign the other players, yeah, you don't really think this guy's gonna be the best player in the squad. But like, who is the best player in the team anyway? Who would you even say it is? Depends what you want, though. Exactly. But again, like I think it's always been like De Bruyne for years. But like now, Rodri is like really high on yeah this agenda for what he does. And like Gundogan, he's gone now. But like he was definitely up there, I think, in terms of what he was able to do. Yeah, it feels like at at their peaks, it feels like like De Bruyne was the best player. But when he was coming in, I don't think he was necessarily no, 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 perceived to not. be that. Like that you was like, I mean? oh yeah, this this is a good this is a good deal. Yeah, like, so I've like, seen what this guy does in Germany. So then you put that into perspective for Man City, you can spend a hundred million pounds on a player that again straight away isn't the best player. In the well, team. that was the thing. That was what the case I was trying to make last summer when he signed. Well, the summer when he signed, and people were like, oh well, he's not a hundred million pound player. I was like, the issue here is not like whether Grealish cost this or like whatever else it was. It's like the issue is. City can afford to spend £100 million on a player. They don't need him to be playing every week. They don't need yeah. him to be the best player. They don't need him to come in and score like 30 goals. What they, they need him to do is this. Yeah, and, and but like the, the thing is, and something I always say, people try and, when you make a point, people try and look at it, kind of reverse engineer your agenda. And it's like, you could read that me making that point and City fans could say, Oh, well, look, you're just talking about like, how much money we've got, and you know you're saying City can afford to spend hundred million on a player that doesn't really matter. Or you could look at it from like let's say a Man United fan's point of view, and you're saying, oh well, you know it, it's fine that City can spend hundred million pounds, and it and it doesn't matter how good the player is. Like that's obscene. That's City. You've got so much money, but it's like well, basically City you've got their squad to a point over time where they didn't need to spend loads and loads of money that summer 
to add on a bit, they could go, well, all of our budget can basically go on. Well, it was going to be two guys, obviously, with Kane. But all of our budget can go on this guy and he'll come and help. It doesn't matter to us if it costs 100 million yeah. because the squad's fine. Yeah. And we've got 100 million to spend. Other players, other teams would have spent more than that on three or four players because they need three or four players and they maybe need more. Like, we're all right. Let's pause for a quick break now. When we come back, we'll be talking even more about Jack Grealish. See you then. Partway through Grealish's first season, he wasn't in the team and he wasn't playing in the team. Uh, he was asked about that when uh, he was speaking in an interview. Um, this is this is what he said about how deal how he was dealing with uh, being in and out of the team. It was difficult. It was different. Um, obviously, like you know, we just said then at Villa, I was just so used to playing every minute of every game, and I'd say it's easier like that because you can just you know you can get a rhythm going. You just you're going to play next week. Whereas here, you know, there's so many talented players. You never know. You know, I think you could score a hat trick in one game, and then you don't really know if you're going to play the next. It was something that I knew that was going to happen. You know, before I come here, I have spoke with with Pep himself. You know, and, he, and he's shown me stats from not just goals and assists, you know, chances created like traveling with the ball and stuff like that and he's just you know encouraged me and just says you know keep going you know it's nice to obviously have assurances off the manager and now we're in the kind of business end of the season do you feel the pressure do you feel spurred on i don't know you just can't embrace it i think um even you know if football's not going well or, or something i just try and stay as positive as possible i remember my coach steve burns at aston villa always used to say to me pressure's a privilege that just honestly it just sticks with me forever because I've had so many times, you know, where like I've had games that are like pressure games. Coming here for the prize tag that I come with, and you know, there's a lot of pressure. But at the end of the day, you know, pressure is a privilege, and that's one that's obviously always stuck with me. Is it? I think he's kind of, in in terms of that pressure is a privilege thing. I think he's kind of saying the right things there and like dealing with it the right way. Yeah. But I think he obviously still felt it at that point because he did obviously beat himself up about it um, to the extent that. I'm trying to think maybe we're skipping ahead now, but at the end of that season, obviously he, City won the league on like remarkable circumstances, but again, he didn't play against Villa. But but that, that I almost felt like he, he was really unfortunate with that Villa game because the West Ham game the, the week before mm. where City had played badly for that first 45 minutes or so and then rescued the situation. He was a big part of that rescue. Yeah, he scored. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, scored, yeah. yeah. And he, he probably deserved some sort of involvement in that Villa game but the way the first half went the circumstances dictated meant dictated that Guardiola yeah, subs were had to be this yeah. and this and this but again it's like if the season had been going well it's like well let's chuck on the guy who can 
beat a player and create chances, but yeah. it hadn't been going that well as well. So it was like, well, let's get Gundogan on, um, who can, you know, do what he does. Um, but at the end of that, so obviously at the end of that season, they won in that like incredible way. And I suppose, in fact, we've talked on a recent show about you know players not playing in cup finals and being very down about it and not celebrating with the others because they've been so down about it. But like Grealish wasn't like that at all. He was like, he felt part of the success. He celebrated it. And obviously going back to the, the parade that they had, there was obviously the, like him with the drinks and the Almiron comment and, you know, being like, hung over. Well, he wasn't hung over. Like, hadn't been to bed, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But then on the team bus afterwards, he kind of spoke to staff and he was kind of tearful and was like, I've not been good enough. Like I really need to improve. And he, he you just knew that that was always in him. So him saying that pressure is a privilege. He did know or demand from himself that he should be doing more. And then it goes back to what else he was saying about, you know, Pep's been showing me stats about carrying the ball. And I think he carried the ball more than anyone else in the Premier League this year, that kind of stuff. But all those things that Guardiola wanted and were important, and you, we appreciate they were important because we're always paying attention to what's going on at City, what Guardiola's saying, what other people are saying. But when people are like, this is a £100 million sign-in, who scored like two goals. Yeah, why is, he not, not run, why is he not running at anybody? Why is he not beating a man? What, yeah. Exactly, but like Guardiola was, and Guardiola did want him to do more of that, and we've seen that, and we'll come on to that for the second season. But he was always saying, there's loads of important stuff that you do do. But Grealish was like, no, actually, I do want to score more goals, and I do want to score more assists. And he was kind of hard on himself throughout that whole kind of process of everyone saying he needs to be better. He himself was like feeling it too. Yeah, I would agree. I think the stuff which you said about pressure being a privilege, I, I think that's totally fair. But then I also think there is a level whereby it doesn't mean you know how to handle it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know it's, I mean? it's something you tell yourself and go, it's all right. No, but like, it's, tr- it's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah. Like, pressure's a privilege. Champions League final, you're playing in the Champions League final. Exactly. But you, it's still shit it's, yourself. It's, it's, it's a first, and for him, all that season was just a series of firsts, you know, playing under that sort of pressure, mm. playing with those players. Yeah, it's great that, you know, the pressure is right up there. But, like, You've never had a 60-game season, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you've never had the person rivaling you in your position be like a Phil Foden, you know what I mean? Who's the golden boy of this juggernaut. Yeah. It's, I you... mean, there's there's even little things. like You've never come on at the Bernabeu. No. There's... Like, it's like... The, the, so those never little... played, you never touched the Champions yeah. League. You usually watch us on a Tuesday night with us, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the way it is. That's such a big, big leap. And I think he was... I'm just glad that he didn't have too much self-doubt. But then, as, as I say, he also didn't know how to be the player that he, he has become, or I would argue even becoming, because I think he can still get better yeah, again. Exactly. You know what I mean? But again, that level of honesty and all that, it's, 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 it's very, it seems very personal. You know what I mean? Mm. When he speaks, he speaks from the heart. He speaks openly. He speaks honestly. He's not going over the top saying how good he is. And he's sort of given us like a little window into like what actually goes on there. Like, I still think he would never say. I don't think. He, I genuinely think he probably doesn't believe he's that good. But in, just in the sense of he'd be like, you, Nah, think, mate. Like Kevin's he, he like will, this or he feels will, unbelievable. Will, I'm just I think doing what my, do, my bit or whatever. I think what he'd do in training, if he's on someone, he will say a little bit. You know what I mean? Because mm. I've seen like some clips of him training with England, and he's gone past a few people and he's left a little bit on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knows. So he knows what's what. But that's like for something to be shared amongst players and in that environment. But in sort of general, he knows the value of those players because now they're on his team. Mm. You know what I mean? So he, he knows, he knows Jack Grealish knows he's good. He knows he's good. But he understands that everyone else is good and he knows there's no value in saying you're good because the moment you stop doing something good, I guarantee everyone oh, yeah, will have yeah. that clip. You know what I mean? Everyone, everyone. I thought, thought you said you were good, pal. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're supposed to be go just go and beat him. Just go beat him. Just go do this. Shut up, man. Like <laughs> and to sorry to I forgot to mention this bit. Guardiola choosing to show stats and videos to somebody who's not playing week in, week out shows the value of the whole squad overall and understanding what it requires to try and keep people on board. Because there would be other clubs where if you are a record signing, you have to hit the ground running. And if you're not doing so, you're on the way out. You know what I mean? Or even like you'd be playing and you'd be playing badly, but they'll just keep you in the team. But Pep understands and the club understand the value of timing and the right person for the right situation mm. at the right time. And that's something that I don't think many other clubs do because we, we do see some people get put out there like a deer in the headlights. They're not ready for the moment and they're playing, playing, playing. And someone's like, well, at some point, they're just going to have to do it because a club from the top would be like, well, you have to play him mm -hmm. because we've paid X amount of money for him. And that doesn't necessarily help the manager nor the player. Yeah. Well, while we're on stats, uh, let's skip forward into his second season because ahead of the Wolves game um, in uh, about September, September yeah, yeah. Um, Guardiola was asked about Grealish um, quite extensively in the press conference ahead of the game. Uh, again, about having to convince him and about uh, just kind of the value that he adds to the team. Uh, this is what he said. He started well. He should stop for the problem in the knee and ankle. Sorry that we were lucky it was not not worse. And last game in the final third when arrived, he was the only one up front that make an aggressive one against one against uh, um, Bfw. But at the moment that to make assets, we didn't have his mates on the box on the box. So we left him isolated. When we go against the fullback, it's just Erling was there. Gundo was not there. Kevin was not there. It should be there. And when that's happened, you help Jack to make his productive. So I know him, and I'm more than happy and delighted what he is doing. So it's now just a question of time to get back a little bit his momentum that he has in the, end, in the beginning of the season. Always had confidence in him. There was uh, he was then later asked um, again a bit more about fitting Grealish into the team going forward. Um, just um, on Jack again. In, in this country, there's a lot of focus on numbers, whether it's goals or, yeah. or assists. I mean, is Jack the, the type of player who who has to be reminded that you can still contribute, still have a good game without racking up those numbers? Well, we didn't cite him for the incredible goals and assists making Villa. It was another reason. And when he played, he did it. But he competed with the top top players as well and. And and you know uh, he knows it perfectly, but never complaining that he's a so a nice guy. And the game we didn't play is the first to help the team, and the training session always is there. So I'm I'm delighted about his behavior and everything. He's not the type of player that you know to get worried that if those numbers aren't there that no, I want to score goals, I want to make assists. He wants to, but. It's, it's not about that. It's how he contribution without the ball and how he produce for the other ones for many, many things that he is able to do. Hi, Pep. I'm Jack again. I mean, you see him every day. Uh, he's been here just over a year. Um, how do you think his game's improved in that year? Understand us. We can understand him. And, and just to have a little bit of continuity that I try to give him and, and because he deserves it, it's... Is be what he is as a football player. All the time we ask them to be yourself. Don't think be what the people expect you have to be. Be yourself as a person, as a especially football player. And this is all you have to be concerned. Try to get better today than yesterday, and tomorrow you have to be better than today. And and that's all. I don't want to ask them something like they cannot do or they don't want to do.
it's amazing i think the that element of the complete cognitive dissidence between people expect like what people expect of you and guardiola sitting down saying just no you just just you be you mm. but also going back to the start i wouldn't so I didn't go to that press conference. I was like, I was having lunch with you, Nadam. Uh, I apologise for <laughs> no, stopping you from doing your job. It was my choice. It was my choice. Um, so, but that was when. So when he said we didn't sign him for the goals and assists, that was then on the back of the mail, and then like Richard Keyes was like, quote tweeted it and was like, "This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen." You know, in terms of what you're saying, what people yeah. are expecting. But I only noticed when listening back to that clip because I wasn't in the room. He didn't. He said we didn't sign him for the incredible goals and assists that he made, as in that he did at Villa. Whereas I think that quote was taken. We didn't sign him to score goals and assists for us, and there was obviously a subtle difference there. And it's something that Grealish said himself. Like he never scored loads of goals at Villa anyway. But people are expecting. Well, you know, you're a great player. Put you in a great team. Hundred million score pounds. Yeah. You will get loads and loads now, which maybe isn't sensible. But I see why people did it. But it was just interesting that. I think that quote was taken as Guardiola saying, "Well, we didn't, but we didn't bring him in for this." And then some people were like, "Well, what, what do you want him for?" Yeah, what but did like, you bring him? But in there for? were loads of obvious answers that Guardiola could say, "We do him for this," and like the, the ball carrying. It was, you know, attracting players. And um, John Muller for the Athletic wrote about it after the Real Madrid home game, I think. Like the gravity players have got, and it's like you're so busy worrying about Grealish that like Gundogan's running into the half space, and then it's obviously it's on the other side as well. You're worried about De Bruyne, so you go towards him. And then Bernardo runs in behind for De Bruyne to slip him in and he scores the first goal, that kind of thing. But Grealish is obviously really good at attracting players. There was obviously when Cancelo was still there in the first season, once he'd done that job, switch it back to him, then Cancelo's in space and he can either switch it to Mahrez and he can cut inside and whatever. Like There was all these things and all these different ways that his game had to change. Like He, he mentioned you know, he's not the same player as at Villa. So obviously at Villa he could get the ball wherever and he was being used in different positions, like number 10 sometimes. But he can get the ball wherever they would look to him first. But he was like, no, you, you know, you know how it is at City. Like Thierry Henry said it loads of times. You stay, especially Henry playing on the same kind of position. You stay out wide and you wait for the ball to come. So you've got to do that. But then when he does get it, he's got to be very disciplined about where he stands and where he receives it. But when he does get it, he does then have freedom to do it. But then, one of the things that we found out was this season in particular, and it's not just Grealish, but it's all the City wingers. They're told. So for the, the first five times or something, or basically enough time to like establish yourself in the game, the first 15, 20 minutes or something, if you've got the ball at your feet, run with it, carry it, bring the team up the pitch. And obviously all this time, everyone's running up with him, so the team are compact. And again, you're avoiding the counterattacks. Do that, but don't take the man on the first few times because basically you're just buying time and getting the team together. And that establishes yourself in the game. That that means that City, for the first 15, 20 minutes of the game... Become the dominant have, ...are dominant. Yeah. They are camped in. So again, when we're looking at Grealish and going, why isn't he taking the man on? Why is he not doing that? It goes back to one of those Guardiola clips when he said Gundogan and De Bruyne in that specific game against Dortmund weren't supporting him, So which we wouldn't notice. Nadam, you might, but like we wouldn't notice. We're going, why isn't he taking people on? But Guardiola's like, well, the game plan isn't this. The game plan is he should have support and he hasn't got it. But the other thing is, the game plan is, which we don't know, the game plan is... I don't want him to take people on. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's fulfilling this function in the team. And that's a practical example of what we talk about of powers and controlling games and all this kind of stuff. And But then it's like the other benefit of that is after 15 minutes, 20 minutes, if you then take the fullback on, 
the fullback's probably feeling quite comfortable at some point that he's just carrying the ball towards you and you can yeah. jockey him. And all of a sudden, if he's going left or right, you're, like, oh, you're in all sorts yeah. of trouble. So, but again, that's not so much, oh, isn't this like a genius thing? But it's more, there's so much going on on that pitch that we can see with our eyes, but we still don't know why. Yeah. And we still don't even, even if, even if we do see stuff with our eyes, we don't interpret it properly. And then even if we did, we don't know why it's happening. We don't know what that instruction is. And I think that's a really, you know, talking about the the overall goals and assists. Why is he not doing this? Why is he not doing that? And there's still some people, at rival fans of rival clubs saying, oh, you know, how's Grealish got away with scoring like five goals all season or whatever? It's like, well, if you watch it and you know what he does, you'll appreciate like how good he's actually been. There have been key goals as well, to be fair. But there's all that stuff, so much stuff that he is doing. That like, talk about Phil Foden, you know, him coming in and rivaling Phil Foden. Like Foden wasn't getting in the team at all mm. and we mentioned on a previous podcast that's just become normal now people aren't even expecting Foden to be in the team they're not even expecting him to be in the team when the best 11 when the team when the season starts next year because Grealish has done so well for, mm. and it's not just it's not the goals and assists because he's still not got loads and loads of them but he's doing all of this stuff that we'll just never comprehend without getting that insight or yeah. you know, having your eye for, no, for what's no, going it's, on. It's, it, I've got to say it's not it's not having my eye because I don't know what the manager wants. No, no, but, but like I say, you could you could I can you see could perceive things on. on the pitch that I wouldn't, yeah. that Dave wouldn't, but, and that most people listening wouldn't. Yeah. But there is that other thing where yeah. it's like you still don't know why that's happening. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll nobody hold, does. I'll hold my hands up and say I don't know what the manager wants. But what I'll tend to do within a game is see how many times something happens. Yeah, because if it happens repeatedly, then that's yeah, something yeah, that yeah. they're going for. You know what I mean? And some of the stuff that we're talking about, it's not something yeah. that's essentially glaringly obvious. Well, once could be an accident, twice might be a coincidence, yeah, but three exactly. times you're starting to, yeah. But then it's the way that some people perceive that because some people see that and say, oh, why is he still doing this? Stop doing it, do something else. And I was like, well, they're going to keep doing that because that's what they've been told to do. You know what I mean? Uh, and in terms of like, say Jack as well, and that quote is really interesting. I think the point you made, Sam, about how the the incredible Mark goals or whatever he's got an assist he got for Villa that season. It's an acknowledgement that Pep saw that. They saw what he was doing. Mm. But let's play a game here, yeah? Just a game for a second. <laughs> I hate okay. it when he does this because I, I know already I've lost. No, you, know no, what no, no. You, haven't, you haven't. It's just I'm just trying to figure out if we're all on the same page here. Well, and we've just got like on. a black spot in our minds or whether we're all like engaged, yeah? So if a player in the championship scores 50 goals, will he be signed by t- the top four teams in the premiership? Yes or no? Fifty goals. Fifty. No. Fifty. Why not? Because he, he scores goals. It's a different level, isn't it? And you know full well. I no, no. But you say it's a different level. But so are you saying they would? No. The point I'm trying to make is the fact that when people sign players, it goes beyond more so than just the traditional statistics that exist yeah, within course, a thing. Yeah. Because yeah, it yeah. has to be the right player for the right setup. Yeah. Because yeah. like, if you were the top four in the team in England, you could go and score someone who's got eighteen goals in the La Liga or something, yeah. or twenty or. But then fits who you are. In a certain are. style of play. But then fits who you are, and yeah. I think the danger is there are some people who still haven't separated that thing in their mind because say, like, uh, I think Ivan Tony, Ivan Tony scored twenty goals last season. Callum Wilson scored twenty goals or whatever. These guys are where they're at, but like, doesn't mean that everyone in the top section is going to go for them because they're two very different styles of players. Yeah, yeah. So. Why is it the transition world Jack's now come to City, so now he has to score X amount of goals and get X amount of assists? Like because can... that's what he did at Villa, and yeah, yeah, that, and that's why they signed him. Like it's not 
We both know that football isn't simple, yet still discuss it as if it's the simplest thing in the world. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Let Me Talk Details. Thank you for listening and for getting in touch. If you'd like to send in a question for a future episode, then you can reach us on email. Hello at lmtpod.com is the way to do it. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at lmtpod. And on TikTok, we're at lmt underscore pod as well. Uh, Sam, there's plenty more in this episode. Uh, what can members hear? Well, basically... If you don't become a member and listen, you won't know how the season ended for Grealish. So <laughs> it'd be a shame to come this far through that journey and not know how it ended. So yeah. that's all I can say, really. Yeah, so uh, if you'd like to hear all of that, then sign up. All the useful links are in the episode description and over on lmtpod.com. Mm-hmm.